if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, I feel pressure now. I was just informed by my uh, board operator slash producer, David Sprouse, that I need to bring the fire. Uh, I've never been advised to bring the fire. I guess I just always feel like I'm breathing fire, so I didn't think I needed to. But now the pressure's on. David is evaluating my fire-bringing ability. Nine minutes after 10, hour number two is underway. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. It's the 25th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2021. She expressed her support for this legislation two weeks earlier, um, and we know that Amazon, as well as the NCAA, has threatened her, but she's come up with these shifting explanations. It's hard to keep track of what she's saying. We need real leaders who won't cave to bullies, stop kicking the can down the road, and actually bring accountability. We have to have a law that recognizes the legitimate differences between men and women. Kristen Wagoner of the Alliance Defending Freedom taking shots at South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, uh, whom I love. I think she has been just a phenomenal leader for her state and a great example to other governors perhaps until now. Joining us to discuss Christy Noem's refusal to uh, sign a bill that would have uh, legitimized women's sports for what they are and stopped biological males from participating in them in the state of South Dakota. Um, joining us to analyze that is our good friend, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. He is a radio host. He is a past president of a university in Oklahoma, and he is our regular guest on the... Oh, and a, by the way, he's a columnist for the Washington Times. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good morning, Bob. I'm glad uh, David advised you to bring the fire just before I come on. Am I going to be the victim of this? I guess I get. I guess I need to be ready to uh, get burned a bit in this no, interview. No, because I, I think our fire goes in the same direction. We'll be side by side, breathing the fire at the enemies. I think is what uh, what is probably more likely. Uh, Doctor Piper, you and I. Uh, you know, had a little bit of a brief chat off air about uh, uh, Governor Kristi Noem and what she decided to do there, do there in South Dakota. I just gave you the response from uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, which has been at the center of this, representing some of the girl athletes in Connecticut who were harmed by the participation of biological males in their sports. So I'm going to give you some room here just to discuss why you think Governor Noem did what she did when just two weeks ago she was on Twitter proudly bragging about how she was going going to defend women's sports in her state. Okay. Um, I've criticized Governor Nome in my commentary, and I'm going to do so today on your show. Okay. And I, I need to say this. I have, um, 
I've received more angry responses from my followers who generally agree with me by criticizing Governor Nome than probably any commentary I've offered in the last month or so. So this one has really got the conservative community riled up. People are angry with me for disagreeing with the governor. So number one, Bob, I think what distinguishes conservatives from progressives is we are people of principle and we hold principles, those self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our creator, common sense, natural law, a biblical ethic. We hold that above the person. And we have the confidence to critique each other. And we don't shoot the messenger just because we don't like the message. That's the nature of being a conservative. I conserve the truth. I don't conserve Governor Nome. I conserve the truth. I don't conserve Donald Trump. I conserve the truth. I don't conserve Everett Piper or Bob Brown. The truth is more important than any of those people. And we can actually elevate the conversation by being willing to thank our leaders when they're right and criticize them when they're wrong. And criticizing Governor Nome on this is not disloyal. In fact, not doing so would be to dishonor the conservative movement. That's my first point. Do you want me to keep going or do you want to jump in on that one? Um, I want you to keep going, but let me just kind of throw in the middle of this. First of all, I think one of the reasons you're probably getting a lot of pushback from your followers and supporters is, you know, a lot of Republicans truly believe in the Reagan 11th commandment. You know, thou shalt not speak ill of thy fellow Republican. Don't tear one another apart. And they probably think you as a conservative Republican, um, you know, are, are, are taking aim at somebody who's on our side. That's probably what you're seeing here. But the thing I'm going to say is I, I'm of two minds on this, Governor, or excuse me, uh, uh, Doctor. Um, I heard her explanation on Tucker Carlson a couple of nights ago, and I thought it had some merit where she said, look, I can protect women's sports in our state, K through 12. We can make sure that this legislation, if I veto this with style and form, that it does indeed make sure that biological males cannot ruin biological girls sports, uh, at this, at the K through 12 level. But in order for me to do this at the collegiate level, I've got to beat the NCAA and I can't, not without a coalition. So I'm working with leaders in other states to form a coalition so we can stop the NCAA from allowing this as well. It made a little bit of sense to me. Uh, so I, I just want to throw that out there, and as you finish your okay. thoughts on this, speak to that point. Does she have any okay. merit there to that part of the argument? Um, I understand, and I support her. I would vote for her, but mm-hmm. she's wrong on that issue. Okay. Here's why. Here's why I believe that. I've been there. I was a college president at Oklahoma Wesleyan University being forced by the Obama administration to comply with these transgender edicts. And you know what I did? I called up the Alliance Defending Freedom, and I said, help me, because I'm going to say no. I will not do this. And you know what happened? The Alliance Defending Freedom, because they are the legal firm, the law firm that has more victories before the Supreme Court of the United States than any other law firm in our nation on these issues. If you want an expert that has won, if you want an expert that understands the strategy necessary and the law necessary to defeat this stuff, ADF is that. Kristen Wagner is that. And Governor Nome is ignoring her and going with some other nebulous legal scholars that she won't identify. She won't even tell us who they are. That's right. I've been there, and what Governor Nome just did is threw me under the bus. If I were a college president at Dakota Wesleyan University trying to stand in the face of this stuff and say, no, I will not comply, she just threw me under the bus, and she ignored ADF. I disagree with her. 
Yeah, and you're not the only one. Obviously, this is uh, this is a, this is a difficult thing because, like you said, I like her, you like her. I would vote for her, but she's wrong on this. And again, I I don't question her motives. At least I do. You do? You, I mean, do you question her motives no. here or just her judgment? I, no, I don't question her motives. Because I don't think Mike she's Pence. turned. I don't think she suddenly flipped into I don't care about South Dakota's college athletes, female athletes having to compete against biological males at the NCAA level. I don't think she has flipped on this at all. I think her motives are still pure. I just think there's a uh, you know a very distinct difference between the you know the method of going about fighting this. I I, I I'm not questioning her motives. I'm questioning her decision and her action and her judgment on this issue. I think she thinks. Somehow, this other strategy that these unnamed legal scholars are advising her to take is going to be more effective. But number one, she's ignoring the most successful legal firm in the nation in defending us on these things. Number two, she is throwing all women over 18 years of age that still want to compete in sports, i.e. college athletes, under the bus. They are not protected by her suggested revision. That is a fact. Number three... She is throwing all females, whether they're in elementary school, middle school, or high school, under the bus by taking Section 4 out of this proposed bill, which gave those women legal recourse, the opportunity and the right to sue if the school forced them to compete against boys. She took that out of the bill. This is not the right action. She should have stood with ADF. They know what they're doing. I don't know why she's changing. Last question on this. Um... Is it fair at all, this is devil's advocacy, for her to say, look, even if I had signed this bill in South Dakota, it doesn't change the NCAA's bylaws. They can still hold their championships however they want. Okay, here's a fact. This is a fact. And again, as a college president who's been involved in athletic associations, this is a fact. The NCAA does not have any policy requirement that forces women to compete against men. In fact, the policy, as it's written right now by NCAA, gives women the right to compete against women. The NCAA has got all of this fluffy marketing language about being affirming and inclusive and all that stuff, but their policy statements do not call for women to have to compete against men. In fact, they say the opposite. So Governor Nome's contention that somehow the NCAA would be her, the policies of NCAA would be against her is just flat out wrong. Um, has this come to to a test yet? For example, the the biological males that ran in Connecticut and took all of those championships away from the biological females um, should be in college by now. Are they running? And are they running as women in women's events? I, I literally, I don't, literally know. don't know the answer to that question. I'm just kind of curious: Has the NCAA had to, had to face this yet, and then accept a um, you know what what they call a transgender female, but we know as a biological male, accept them and their intent to run against uh, biological women at the NCAA level? I don't know the answer. I, I don't know the answer either. Both of us okay. can find that quickly after the show, and we probably will. But here's the point: probably so. But I know that the NCAA has um, drug-enhancing, uh, restrict, restricts drug, uh, uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, and therefore, if a female is taking testosterone to transition, that female is going to be held accountable by NCAA and NAIA policies to have at least a 12-month waiting period to make sure that they're not on those per, per, uh, performance-enhancing drugs before they compete. So the NCAA has policies that would actually be in favor of what Governor Noam 
wants to do. And there's a time and a place to just say no. And I want to repeat how I started to answer your question. When I stood up and said no, and I called the Alliance Defending Freedom, they helped me stand in the face of the Obama administration legally. And you know what happened? The Obama administration backed off. And they said, okay, you've got an exemption. Now, why in the world would Governor Nome want to go in opposite direction? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, that's a great question, and that's what a lot of people are trying are wondering. And I wonder if all of this public pressure is going to perhaps uh, force Governor Noam to change her mind. I would hope that would be the case. We are all allowed to evaluate something, then reflect on it when new information is presented, and perhaps change the evaluation. Maybe that's something we can look forward to. All right, it's ten twenty. We'll get a time out here. Come right back with Doctor Everett Piper on the fourteen twenty DS. Okay, 1024, and there's the uh, Roddy Roddy Everett Piper music for us as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Uh, Piper, uh, two weeks ago, I was uh, honored to be the MC at a very important event. It was the 12th annual Cleveland Right to Life, Bringing America Back to Life conference. It's a two-day conference um, dedicated, obviously, to life issues, but also a host of other related issues. Um, uh, with respect to conservative family values, uh, Christian faith, Catholic faith, and other things. Um, one of the presentations was from Sarah Qualley, uh, who represents personhood.org. She kind of did a joint presentation with um, Dr. Alan Moy of the uh, John Paul II Medical Research Institute. And the two of them did a presentation, Dr. Piper, on why it is wrong for people to receive the coronavirus vaccine the covid-19 vaccine uh it doesn't talk about the efficacy necessarily of the or the effectiveness of the drug but from a morality standpoint these drugs were developed using fetal cell aborted abortive fetal cell tissues um and those uh those aborted fetal cells used in either the the um creation of a vaccine or even in the research to the uh to a vaccine is essentially forbidden under you know the catholic faith or i would have go so far as to say perhaps just the morality of christians everywhere uh and i know you had some strong thoughts on that go ahead well first of all thank you for emceeing this event second you know that you've the um john paul the second uh institute and the personhood institute have been canceled from social media, from say, from Facebook, for that very presentation and for what you just said. And I saw that as a fact in this cancel culture and that people don't even want to attend to the argument that you just presented. So I posted it on my social media. And here's the thing. I received a great deal of pushback because conservatives were saying, well, are you calling not to use the vaccine? And I answered, here's my point. I answered and said, the vaccine involved the use of murdered babies. Is that a moral thing? The constant pushback was, no, the vaccines don't have aborted fetal cell lines in the vaccine themselves. The vaccines may have used aborted fetal cell lines in the testing, but not the production. Right. And therefore, you're wrong, Piper. You're wrong, Bob Franz, for making an issue of this. The vaccines don't have those cell lines. And my response is kind of like the response on the Christy Nome thing. Think. Think. Think about what you just said. What you just said basically would be akin to saying the automobile 
I drive used real people rather than test dummies in the test phase. And real people got killed in the test phase of the automobile I drive. But nobody was killed on the assembly line to produce this automobile. Therefore, it's morally acceptable for me to drive this car. Now, I don't see any consistency there. I see broken logic. And I don't see the moral, the moral um, basis for making such a stupid claim. But conservatives are getting angry with this discussion and are not willing to enter into it without a bunch of emotion and just attend to the facts. The facts are these vaccines used this aborted fetal cell line in the testing phase. And what is the moral distinction between that and the production phase? For me... It's a distinction without a difference. The other element to this that needs to be brought into play here, and this is what Dr. Moy uh, spoke to in his part of that presentation, is that it was unnecessary that they had synthetic cells that they can use that are, and I can't even speak to the, the science of this at all, but uh, in summary, layman's terms, there are synthetic cells that mirror or that are almost identical to the fetal cells that they are using uh, that are just as effective in developing the same vaccine. Again, I can't re- replicate his presentation, but that was the gist of what he had to say, which begs the question, why are the pharmaceutical companies that are working so hard to do, you know, to, to create life-saving potentially vaccines, which is admirable, why are they taking the moral shortcut when another other option is available and i don't know why they do that scientifically but i do know that what you just said is a fact there are other options that would not include the use of aborted babies in the production or the testing of these products so why i think the reason why is there's no outrage and there's this lack of logical and moral consistency that we're having to confront within our own tent that somehow it's acceptable to use murdered babies in the testing phase But as long as you don't use those same murdered human beings in the production phase, that this is a tenable um, and morally acceptable product for us to consume and for us to use. And what logic is there there? Again, it's a distinction without a difference. It would be like saying that we've got cell lines from Jews who were executed at Auschwitz, but we only use those cell lines of those murdered Jews in a testing phase of the production of a vaccine And therefore, it's morally acceptable to use these Jews that were murdered during the Holocaust. They Where seem, are we on this? How? Yeah, they, they seem to think that I'm okay if they're not injecting me with those fetal cells, those aborted fetal cells. If I don't take the vaccine that has those in it, then I'm okay, like you said, as long, you know, if, as long as they only used it to test them, uh, to test this vaccine. But if I don't take it, well, then I'm not, I'm not necessarily, you know, in a, in a moral quandary here. Uh, and obviously, you've illustrated with two great points, the automobile example and the Auschwitz example. Sad, but, but very accurate, uh, analogies. Uh, Dr. Piper, we're out of time, uh, but I'm going to give you a minute anyway just to uh, tell everybody about your latest column, which I want people to read at thewashingtontimes.com. Okay, I've got to do this very quickly. Um, Go to the Washington Times, read my last column last week. It's on the California curriculum that's being proposed that will be used for 6 million students in California that actually now calls for counter-genocide as a way to reverse the evils of white privilege and American colonialism. Counter-genocide. I'm going to say it one more time. That's all I need to do in this closing moment. Counter-genocide is now 
being taught in California. And let me tell you this, what happens in California ain't going to stay in California. This curriculum is going to be in your own schools, in your own backyard. Counter-genocide. Terrific stuff, Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, you should read that. Everyone should read that. It's very important. We'll talk. We'll make a point of talking about that the next time we get together, but read that at uh, the Washington Times website, WashingtonTimes.com. Dr. Everett Piper, thank you so much for the great analysis. As always, we'll talk to you soon. Blessings. 1031. Time for news. We'll come right back with your calls on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a question for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. Don't do that in the show, however. Much better to call me live at 216 Either one of those. But the message line is great for when we're off the air or you can't get through if we are jammed up. All right, uh, thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. Didn't get enough chance to go into uh, the California non, or excuse me, the counter-genocide curriculum that they're teaching in California. It is just off the charts. I'll probably post that on my Facebook, my MeWe, and my Gab pages uh, before the end of the day if you want to check it out. And by the way, if you are a social media user but you have abandoned some of the worst platforms, like Twitter, and especially Twitter. Um, I am on MeWe and Gab, and I'm still on Facebook because I just have too many people there that I do need to reach. Not happy with it, by the way. But MeWe, if you have not yet uh, downloaded that particular uh, social media platform or app, and uh, Gab, just like it sounds, MeWe is M-E-W-E, MeWe, and the other one is Gab, G-A-B. Uh, I'm on there. You can find me. Just look for my name. Look for Bob France or France uh, Radio, and you can find me and uh, follow. But I will post Dr. Piper's article there before we're done. All right, so we had uh, a couple of really great interviews in the first hour of the program. Actually, back at 935, we talked with Representative Nino Vitale, um, who opposed Senate Bill 22, which was passed yesterday. Yeah, well, let me rephrase. It was passed a couple of weeks ago. It was uh, the override was passed yesterday. Representative Vitale and many others have been extraordinarily critical of Mike DeWine and Mike DeWine's lockdown measures that put businesses out of business, crippled others, even though they're still hanging on and trying to climb back from the financial uh, hole that they were put into by Governor DeWine's decisions and Amy Acton originally, uh, her decisions. But some businesses were destroyed forever. Some are crippled. Uh, Employees lost their jobs. Many of them lost their health care. Many of them lost their ability to take care of their families and meet their bills, all because of Mike DeWine's unilateral decisions. People were not allowed to go to uh, go to church and practice their faith. People were not allowed to gather. People were not allowed to get together to pay tribute and respect to the fallen and the lost, because funerals were banned, um, senior citizens, and by the way, this is still going on in some circles, in some circumstances, and in other states too. Um, Senior citizens in nursing home facilities had to live their final days in complete and utter isolation, cut off from any contact from loved ones. Uh, Children have been harmed irreparably. Some kids have not had a normal day of school in a calendar year. Think about that. 
Other kids, older kids, lost not only their schooling, their education, but their opportunities with extracurricular activities to perhaps put themselves in a position to get further education down the road at the collegiate level. All of these things were made, decisions were made, with one man's um, you know, uh, opinion. It was Mike DeWine's opinion, based on, of course, the walking, mumbling, bumbling lab coat next to him, who couldn't handle the heat, so she got out of the kitchen. And that's literally what it was. She couldn't handle the criticism. She pretty much said so. Now she's thinking about running for Senate. (laughs) Sorry. That's an aside. Anyway, all of those decisions were made by one man. And no matter how many people pleaded with the governor to stop this because of the damage and the harm that it was doing, I haven't even gotten to the extraordinary climb in the uh, um, rates of depression, suicide attempts, alcohol use, drug use, abuse, domestic abuse, suicides, and so forth. I mean, it's just one man cannot have that much power. So SB 22 comes down the line, and this should be pointed out, um, I'll get back to Vitaly in a moment. It should be pointed out that the General Assembly has tried on three other occasions to try to limit DeWine's ability to be just a one-man wrecking crew here, the sole coronavirus authority. Uh, one bill that they passed was to uh, strip away his authority to issue any statewide health orders at all. Another was to block his ban on county fair activities, related to the COVID-19, and the other was to decriminalize violations of his health orders. In other words, to not allow people to be punished for not doing what he says to do. DeWine vetoed all three of those. And the do-nothing, in my opinion, weak-willed leadership of the Republicans in the General Assembly could not get their act together and override any of those vetoes. So finally... We get a new version of a, you know, a bill, not a perfect bill, but SB 22, not stripping, but limiting some of DeWine's powers to be the unilateral authority on all of this. And um, some critics of DeWine's wouldn't go along with it, including Representative Vitale. And we had a pretty good conversation that, uh, quite frankly, I didn't expect to turn into as combative of a one as it was. Mike DeWine needed to be beaten. He needed to have a defeat attached to his response to all of this COVID-19. If he was unsuccessful, rather, if we, the people, were unsuccessful in having our representatives and senators uh, override his veto, it would look to the general public like Mike DeWine is our king and we do what he says. We believe in Mike. And all of the damage that I just ran down in the little list would be A-OK with us. We needed to issue a defeat that says you don't get to call all of the shots. The people get a say, and the people get their say through our representation at in the General Assembly. And that's what we got. But uh, Representative Vitale just did not and would not go along with it. And there were a couple of others, too. But he hates the way DeWine has handled everything, but yet was unwilling to vote for something that would give Mike DeWine a defeat and give us something to build on. So I re- kind of regurgitate all that to you to ask you to listen to the interview. If you did not yet hear the interview that I did with Representative Vitale, by the way, a man with whom I agree on almost everything regarding what was done to this state. 
But a man that I disagreed with when it came to the issue of voting for and supporting SB 22 and its and the override of the veto of the same. Um, if you did not hear that interview, go to whkradio.com. It's uploaded already. I am going to isolate that that video or excuse me that interview uh, from the first hour, and I will also post that on my social media so that you will be able to find it easily if you follow me there. Uh, but and then most importantly, I want your reaction to it. I would like to know how you feel about that. Are you supportive of SB 22? Or do you agree with Representative Vitale? It doesn't do enough good. Therefore, uh, it should have been vetoed. And Mike DeWine should, or excuse me, should not have been overridden. And Mike DeWine's veto should have stood, giving him yet another political victory. In the last thing, which I've made very clear over the course of the last 10 months, you know, really since I interviewed Mike DeWine in May, I want to say, of last year. He put his first orders in place in March, and I think it was in May that I had him on, and I just, as I am known for doing, I just didn't take any prisoners, and I told him what was wrong, and I told him how you know we felt about this, and of course, he hasn't come back on since. He's afraid of that kind of questioning. He's afraid of that kind of uh, you know um, holding his feet to the fire, if you will. So I've made no mistake about it or no uh, secret of it for the last 10 months that I want Mike DeWine gone. Mike DeWine is a Democrat masquerading as a Republican. By the way, do you remember when President Trump came to Ohio last year? Do you remember who suddenly couldn't visit with President Trump? Because, um, yeah, you know, the president is coming to town tomorrow. And, uh, well, uh, I got COVID. Yeah, I tested positive for COVID. Yep, me and the missus, Fran and I, we both got COVID, and uh, so we're not going to be able to go see the president. President's uh, jet comes the next day, Air Force One comes the next day, and then departs, and then the day after that, got retested. Turns out it's all clear. I'm good. I'm good. No COVID here. It was a false positive, and, and that was the only false positive, by the way, in the entire state. Everybody else's positive was legitimate. State's in trouble. We've got to keep the lockdown going. He refused to meet with Trump. Whether you buy the COVID and then suddenly false positive story or not is your opinion. But all I know is there was no such threat yesterday. There was no such threat when Joe Biden was in Ohio. Mike DeWine couldn't meet him fast enough. The press reported to discuss their political differences. What differences? What does Mike DeWine do in the state of Ohio that Joe Biden wouldn't order him to do if he could. They're in lockstep. That's why this SB 22 that I'm talking about, you know the only people to vote against it, other than Nino Vitale and maybe one or two other Republicans, they're Democrats. Democrats and Mike DeWine go hand in hand. They're, they're joined at the hip. Mike DeWine is no Republican, and I want him gone. And I'm bringing this up again because what Nino Vitale, and I brought this up to Vitale in the interview. If you want Mike DeWine defeated in his race for re-election, you have to defeat him on his policies. You have to hand him public rebukes of what he is doing to destroy Ohio's businesses, schools, churches, etc. And by voting not to override the veto, and Nino Vitale just didn't want to vote either way. He wasn't there. He made sure he was absent from that vote, which I find extraordinarily unprofessional and irresponsible, especially for somebody who's been so outspoken about this stuff. But he didn't vote on it. And it's my opinion, if you want Mike DeWine gone, you have to give him some defeats, hand him some defeats. And that was done yesterday, and that's a good thing.
All right, TJ's in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, I want to thank Dr. Piper. Uh, you know, I've been toiling with the idea, should I get this shot or shouldn't I? You know, and I wasn't aware of the fact that these embryo stem cells were being used in testing. And, you know, I'm anti-abortion. I always believe when it comes to, like, anti-abortion, you're either all in or you're out. So I think it's kind of helping me make my decision if I'm going to get this shot or not. And, you know, this is not much different. I debate a lot of the people on our side, you know, that are anti-abortion, with the exception of rape or incense. And, you know, I think to myself, you know, how can you make that exception? The baby of rape or incest is still innocent. So which ones, who do we decide which ones should be aborted and which ones shouldn't? And to me, this is also an issue. You're either all in or you're out. And I don't want to change anybody's minds with this, but I think Dr. Piper uh, kind of answered the question I've been dealing with for quite a while. Should or, or should I not get this shot? Well, you know what? I'm glad you said that, TJ, because, and thanks for the call. There's a lot of people who, um, uh, who weren't aware of that either, and they're making the decision based solely on the potential side effects of the shot or the benefits of the shot. And I encourage everybody to do their own research and decide if it's right for you, as I've said before. I will not tell anyone to get the shot, but I will not tell anybody not to get the shot. If you do your own research and you decide this is something you want, I'll even tell you where to go get it. I'll tell you to go to Discount Drug Mart, your immunization destination, because they've been chosen by the state to be one of the distributors of the vaccine. So if you choose to do that, I would do that. But I will do what you just said, TJ, and that is try to make other people aware of all of the considerations, not just effectiveness or efficacy or side effects or tests, etc. There is a moral component to it. If you're a Christian or if you're a person of faith and if you are a person who believes in pro-life, that they're taking aborted babies and using their cells to develop these vaccines and to people who are you know, are strictly moral people, um, that's a non-starter for them. And some people did not do, did not know that. And I'm going to say something else here real fast before the break about what TJ said there about, you know, abortion in the cases of rape and incest. When I did the uh, uh, Bringing America Back to Life event, when I emceed it last two weekends ago now, um, there was a presentation that I promise you, I promise you will change your mind on the exceptions of rape and incest when it comes to abortion. There was a, pre- a presentation given by a woman who was raped and impregnated and who had been a part of the 60% of pro-lifers, 60% who made the exception that abortion is okay in the case of rape and incest. 60% of pro-lifers, she was one of those. She was part of that 60% until this happened to her. Her story grabbed me. I sat there just mesmerized for an hour. Her hour-long presentation just grabbed me and I think everybody else in that room that may have been a part of that. And just, to say it'll blow your mind is an understatement. You need to see it. I know that the entire weekend's festivities were videotaped and will be made available online for public consumption. And if I can encourage you to watch that particular presentation stronger, I would. Absent that, I'm going to have her on the program. 
I'm going to ask her to tell an abbreviated version of the story in 30 minutes uh, on this program. But um, if you are a staunch pro-lifer, which I hope you are, um, you're going to want to hear that story. So that'll just something a little to whet your appetite a little bit. I think you're going to be just very appreciative once you hear it. I was so appreciative to hear it in person. Having said that, we'll be right back. slight issue with that promo for Jay Sekulow Live. Um, it was all right until the end when Jay said, when he came into office, the vaccines were just being approved. No, they were approved and in use and being distributed before Christmas. It was a record. It was an unbelievable, you know, again, you can have your opinion about the ethic, well, the ethics, because of what we just talked about, and the efficacy of the vaccine, but in terms of its production and its um, testing and all of the other things that Operation Warp Speed did, it was remarkable, unprecedented, and they were available before Christmas. What Jay Sekulow meant to say is that they were being distributed over a million vaccines in a million arms per day at the end of President Trump's term and the beginning of Biden's. So for Biden to claim that, look what we're doing, I promised 100 million shots and 100 million arms in the first 100 days of the presidency, and we're ahead of that pace, so what? They were already on that pace when you took over. The only thing that happened since then, in the last three months, is that the uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies have been able to ramp up production and create millions more vaccines. Oh, and by the way, a third company was added, also having nothing to do with you, when Johnson & Johnson created theirs. So... Uh, you know, all of the discussions we're having about the vaccine, all of the discussions about the effectiveness versus the safety and so forth and the morality, uh, all of that aside, Joe Biden, you get zero credit for the vaccination of Americans. Zero. All of this was done before you got there. And when you got there, all you had to do was not muck up the works. Put your feet up, let the production continue, and let the shots be distributed to those who are willing and want the shots. That's all you had to do. So just to kind of get that out there. And while we're talking about COVID, I want to wrap the show with this. Yesterday, Ted Cruz, one of my favorite senators, one of my favorite politicians, period, speaking to reporters on the Hill yesterday, he walked to the microphone or to the podium amidst several other officials back there who were all masked, and Ted Cruz came up maskless. Ted Cruz was asked by reporters to wear a mask. And I want you to just listen. And you can if I have the volume turned up. Let's try this one more time here. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, when I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask. And all of us have been immunized. So. Uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. I just love it. The little Karen in the front row of the press pool said, would you please put on a mask? And he said, no, not when I'm talking to a camera. He said, it would make us feel better. And Ted Cruz looked him right in the eye and said, you're welcome to step back if you'd like. Like a boss, not being bullied, not being intimidated, not being shamed by the little Karen wanting some safe space. You want more space? Create it yourself. Back away. I absolutely love it. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.